0: Sorry,
1: I can't Hey, this is Phil a.k.a. Corinne.
0: And I'm Alex Berg, and you're listening to the I'm, I'm from, from Driftwood, Driftwood
1: podcast. podcast. A quick favor to ask our listeners before jumping into today's episode. Take a few seconds to leave a five-star rating on the I'm from Driftwood Podcast. More ratings and reviews help the podcast appear in recommendations, which means more people who need to hear all these queer and trans stories will be able to find them more easily. It just takes a few seconds and would make a big difference. All right, now on to today's episode.
2: My name is Brian Hornigan. I'm from Staten Island, New York. Um, I came out late in my life, uh, about 30 years old. Uh, and the reason being is uh, I had gotten married and I had children. I had come out to my ex-wife and my brothers, my sister, my father, cousins, and everybody was very accepting and understood um, however, there was still a, a, an issue that I had uh, which caused me to be very anxious, which was when do I tell my children? At the time, they were five and four, and clearly that was not the appropriate time to inform my children of my being gay, Then I would speak with my ex-wife about when we would feel it was appropriate to tell them, um, and we just couldn't come up with an answer. At the time, we were living in New Jersey, and the, the governor at that time, Governor McGreevy, um, actually went on news on the, on the podium, up at the podium and on new, on the news channels and basically told the country that he was a gay American. Um, which was a really positive step for people who identified as being LGBT because it showed yet another individual in a high profile, uh, position actually coming out and putting their foot down and saying, you know, I'm gay. And, uh, you know, there are others that will hopefully be able to come out as well and be gay. And um, as a result of that, coincidentally, um, the next day my ex-wife called me and basically said my daughter and son were asking about what a gay means because they heard that Governor McGreevy said that he's a gay American. And I said, well, what did you tell them? And she said, well, I I told them that, you know, ask your father. So I, I said, listen, this is a perfect opportunity right now for us to sit down, talk to the kids, make them understand what gay means, and it's a great opportunity for, for me to inform them that I'm gay as well. And so we decided we're going to have dinner, um, our usual Saturday, Friday dinner after, you know, work and school. And uh, they came over. We had dinner. We had dessert. It was time for dessert. And I said to my kids, I was like, guys, I understand you ask mommy, what does gay mean? Yeah, the governor said he's a gay American. What does gay mean? I was like, well, do you have any idea at all what it might mean? No. Okay, well, did anybody else tell you that the governor was a gay American? Yes. And, you know, it was like it was like the perfect witness on a witness stand. All I got was yes and no answers. So I was trying to get them to talk so that they can, you know, try and share with me maybe something that they have. So I was like, okay, let me approach this from a different angle. Okay. What gay means is is when a man likes to be with the man. And, I, and they were a little confused by that. They didn't know what that meant. So I said, you know, when you go to the baseball field and you see the mommies and daddies, that's a man with a woman. Well, a gay man is a man who likes to be with a man, not with a woman. And a gay woman is a woman who likes to be with a woman, not a man. So they, it, was trying, it was starting to register, and I could see in their eyes they had this, uh, this aha moment, like, oh, I think I get it. I think I get it. And I said, so um, the governor is a gay American, and daddy... Is like the governor. So what does that mean? And my daughter, and with a ponytail up in her hair, she's looking at me with like confusion and like kind of a little like mysticism. Like she looked at me and she said, "You're the governor." And it was hysterical. My my ex-wife spit a tea out. She was drinking tea. My son looked at her and said, "No, duh, Cal, that's not the governor." Right. And I just started to laugh and she started to get a little upset. And I was like, OK, maybe I phrased it. Maybe I phrased that question the wrong way. So daddy's like the governor in that daddy is gay and daddy is a man who likes men. And then he looked and he said, well, is mommy a gay American? No, mommy is a woman that likes men. Oh, then they started asking, well, what about this one? What about that one? What about this one? Go to my head. is Yes, maybe. I think so. Absolutely not. Right. So uh, it was like a really, really funny conversation. And uh, uh, you know, we sat there and they asked a little bit more about like, well, what does that mean? Are you, are you going to be with the man your whole life? And et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I answered the questions as best as I could. And essentially 20 minutes later, my ex-wife left. It was my weekend with the kids and we were coloring on the floor and coloring books, playing video games with my son. Um, our typical regular Friday evening. And um, over the years, flash forward 10 years, 11 years now, um, I have two of the most compassionate Incredible children that every day make me more and more proud. My daughter's running uh, and working with the Lambda Group down in Pennsylvania in her school uh, to emphasize the LGBT presence there. Uh, my son worked at McDonald's and uh, uh, his manager came up to him and you know his manager said to him, you know, just so you know, I'm gay. And my son looked at him and said, yeah, and so's my father. Who cares, right? So it's 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 just so great to have my children um, not only um, be there for me and support me in this, um, but just be the individuals that they are because you lead by example. And I'd like to think that our example of what my ex-wife and I had done by telling them earlier on gives them the ability to now take that message forward to all the people that they meet in their life.
3: My name is Chloe Harris and I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I had a tough time when I was a kid. I was dealt with a little bit of a bad hand in regard to family and environment. I was an effeminate child, and my poses for pictures were very flamboyant and glamorous. And it was very clear who I was, and I was very comfortable with who I was. And it wasn't until I was 11 or 12 that I knew and learned that it it wasn't necessarily okay to be like that. And I kind of took this side of me and I, and I put it away. And I had spent a little bit of time when I was younger out in the neighborhood in Philly. And I remember seeing trans women walking around. And they were magnificent. And I knew I wanted to be that, but I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to get there. I didn't have friends that could point me in the right way. I was a good student. I got good grades. I was a National Merit Scholar, but I was still troubled. I ended up going to college, but I wasn't really ready for it. And I went to Temple University a long, long time ago. And I think it was my second or third semester I was playing rugby. And I got hurt in a rugby game, I had an orbital fracture around my eye. And I had to drop out of school for a little bit. I. Went back, but I wasn't really into it, and I dropped out. And I ended up working a lot of very different jobs. But more than anything is I, I looked for trouble. And I ran around with an increasingly rough group of individuals. When I was in my early 30s, I got jammed up, and I was in a bad situation. And I made a, a, a silent pact with myself right in the middle of it. And I said to myself, if I can walk away from this relatively unscathed, I have to change my life and I have to change everything. And I stopped hanging out with all the wrong people. I started making better decisions. I, I stopped going out late at night. I stopped drinking. I started exercising and taking better care of myself. And I had a wonderful girlfriend at the time and she got pregnant right after I got myself together. Ultimately, our relationship dissolved, but we continued to co-parent extraordinarily well. I wasn't really happy. I was running a real estate business, and I thought, well, maybe being an entrepreneur would make me happy. And that really wasn't for me either. And I remember being so exasperated that I went to the Temple University website because I figured, I had already started school there and they had to take me back, right? And I went down the list of majors and I got all the way to sport and recreation management. And I thought to myself, I don't know exactly what that entails, but I know that it's better than what I'm doing right now. And I was very clearly not straight. And I don't know what people thought about my gender. I don't know if I appeared to be a cisgender man. But I certainly didn't look like a straight one. I remember being a student and, and feeling like there was one thing that was missing. And I was doing a project for one of my classes and it was something like a TED Talk. And my specific TED Talk was about gender and inclusion and the binary and the transgender community and sports and recreation. When I was doing this TED Talk, I used photos of me that I that I had taken or someone else had taken over time because at, at at certain times when I wasn't a student, you know, I would go out as Chloe or I would just be Chloe. And uh, I had these shots to use in, in the background to kind of really portray, oh, see, this is the same person in the front and the back. And it wasn't until after I had finished the project and I was looking at the final product that I realized that I wasn't this masculine presenting person in the front that this part of me was who I really am, and I was that person. And it was the very next day that I called the local LGBTQ medical center and set up an appointment to look into the process of transition. And it was maybe 48 hours within receiving my first medication that I knew I, again, made the right decision. I actually transitioned as a student in the sport and recreation program and I was really welcomed and uh, included and I was very much supported not just by my student cohorts but also by my professors and the administration and it was a really great experience for me. I didn't come out to my son right away and and maybe about six months into my physical transition, my medical transition, I I pulled Ryan aside and, and I had to talk with him and I said Ryan you know your dad is a little bit more of a Wonder Woman than a Superman. And I could see the gears turning and he got that. There was a time when I had to talk to him about my name because I'm going to switch my name and, and, you know, he was five years old. We were watching The Secret Life of Pets and there's only two main female characters in it. There's Chloe and there's Gidget. And I always knew that my name was gonna be Chloe, but he didn't know that yet. And I said, this is a great opportunity. There's a 50-50 chance that I can convince Ryan that he's picked my name. Of course he picked Gidget. And I said, Ryan, I feel like Gidget wouldn't be a great name for me. And he said, okay, then I think you should be Chloe. And I said, there you go, you picked my name. Great job, Ryan. So it came time for me to do my junior internship in the sport and recreation program, and I was, Less than a year into my medical transition, and I was very nervous about going to a new place, and my son used to go to this one playground, in rec center, and I thought, why not do my internship there? Because I knew the people there, and I knew I would be accepted. It didn't take me long into working at that internship to realize that this was the work that I was meant to do and the work that I love until today. In my work and working with kids, I've found that they're very accepting of it and they're growing up in a different time and it's a different society than many of us grew up in. And once in a while a kid will say, Miss Chloe, how come you sound a little like a boy? And then I just repeat back to them, well, I'm a woman with a really cool voice. And they just go, okay. And they move along like nothing ever happened and that's one of my favorite parts about working with kids is that they're so accepting of who everyone is. Now I live a life of love, filled with joy, and I wouldn't trade my life with anyone else's on the planet. And it all stems from the birth of my child and how that opened everything up for me.
0: So we heard two stories from Brian and Chloe about parents coming out to kids. And both of them are parents who came out to their own children as adults. Brian came out when he was 30. At the time he was married to a woman, he came out as gay. And he didn't know what to tell his kids, who were pretty small at the time. His story has a good amount of levity in it. At the time, Governor McGreevy was the governor of New Jersey who came out as gay himself on national television. And the way that Brian went about explaining himself being gay to his kids was that he had something in common
1: with Governor (laughs) McGreevy. Right. Which are you talking to a little kid? That, I, I, I kind of loved it yeah. actually when his daughter was like wait you're the governor now? Yes. Like, he's like no not exactly. His daughter didn't exactly understand that it wasn't the fact that he was the governor it was that they were both gay. He's so pretty cute.
0: And then Chloe, Chloe grew up in Philly and was always very effeminate and she recounts seeing trans women walking around and thought they were just magnificent. Mm-hmm. She eventually, she had some trouble growing up when she went away, initially went away to college was playing rugby and was injured, left school, ended up dropping out, ended up in a bad situation and basically made a pledge that she was going to get her life together in her 30s. As she did that, she, I guess her partner at the time, she did getting her partner pregnant this before she came out as a trans woman. And really it was just the impetus for her to go back to school and to get her life together for her kid. And she ended up coming out in, in her program, and she tells a story about how she went about coming out to her child with the name Chloe, and that they were watching the movie Secret Life of Pets, which has two female characters, Chloe and Gidget. <laughs> I haven't personally seen this movie. <laughs> and she really wanted to make her son feel like he picked out the name Chloe for her. So they kind of had a conversation about it. Her son was like, maybe Gidget. And she was like, no, how about Chloe? And that's where they landed. And one of the things that I loved one piece of the story I really loved was she talked about how now when she's working with kids she's found that they're very accepting especially little kids sometimes they'll ask her about her voice and she just tells them that she has a cool voice and they accept that answer. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean that's pretty cool. It's you know it I think what I loved about these stories were that the both Chloe and Brian sat down and had conversations with their children, right? Like they were ready to answer questions. They were ready to give these kids room to have these feelings, to ask questions, to wonder, to be curious about what was what was happening. And I think that made a difference later on. I also loved, I have to pull out one quote from what Chloe said to Brian. She said, you know, dad is, at the time she said, dad is more, uh, more Wonder Woman than Superman. I thought it was so <laughs> cute. It was like really like working on like, up like. Speaking to him where he was at, like, you know, he's thinking about, like, superheroes and things like that. It's like, you know, that's more Wonder Woman. There was something. I mean, to your point, there
0: was something really just refreshing about these stories and the way that kids in their innocence are just funny and weird and will just accept things so matter-of-factly. I also really liked that about Chloe talking about how now when she's with kids now who ask about her voice and they just accept the answer and... Keep it moving. Yeah. You know, and I, I love that like matter-of-factness with kids. Yeah. They're just like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, and I yeah. feel like there are so many adults who could learn oh, from just that's that. So true. Oh, okay, cool.
1: Right. Keep it moving. Right. You know? Right, right, yeah. Right. Well, you know what's interesting? I think it's like, I like to think about this, these stories make me think about questions and answers and how as it for adults. Questions and answers are, they run into problems with questions and answers. So someone asks you a question, like a yes or no question, you could say yes, you could say no, you could say all these th- different things. But sometimes people don't want the answers they're getting, so mm. they are just keep it going. And that's what's refreshing about children. They're like, oh, I asked you a question. You gave me an answer. We're good. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. we, could, we can actually keep it moving. Because I just had, to, I had a question, and now I accept your answer. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to now challenge you in your answer. That's the answer, mm-hmm. and it's just great. It's like you're right. That's what's so nu- lovely about kids. Like adults will like want to debate it and be like, right. well, "Well, how do you know you're gay?" Like, how do you, like how do you know you're trans? I'm like, I think I know. <laughs> I think yeah. I got this down. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. And kids.
0: I mean, it's really, it's it's really something. It's like this
1: child
0: knows that this is all right. Right. Like, how come you're an adult and you don't know that this isn't all right? right? Like, what's going
1: right. on there? Right. Well, you know, yeah. it's. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you know what they say about kids? Like, adults learn. To be difficult, yes. They they literally learn it, and, and when you're talking to kids like these kids, like you know, I think Brian's kids were like three and five or something like that. They just they they're not tainted like that. They're not contaminated with the world mm-hmm. yet. So they're just they're they're literally just asking questions and getting answers. I mean, I get that from kids. They're like, hey, boy or girl like this is like and it's like oh off-putting because you're just like not expecting it <laughs> you're like wait well, that
0: is an inappropriate wait, question wait. oh you are two and a half years right, old right 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 I'm
1: like okay so let's just do what that side is it's inappropriate sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like and then you just give them an answer like okay you know like this is what it is this is who I am and I and they just go you know they twist their heads a little bit and then they like and then they move it on and the next you know they're like asking for chicken fingers and right. like whatever else is they eating you know like all the sugary <laughs> food they <can> buy. <laughs> they're like I'm like I got my answer I just need my sugary food now you <laughs> know like I don't care <laughs> They yeah. just don't care. It's like actually really cool. You know, that's that's the cool thing about kids. Yeah. I
0: mean, this is also making me think about how, and and you also brought up this point that these kids were young. I feel like a lot of the stories I've heard about parents coming out have been parents coming out to their adult children. children yeah. So it was also just cool to hear parents navigating this from a very young age. You're right. It's like almost like these kids are more of a blank slate before they've right. been in a culture that has formed any of their ideas about. How they should feel about having a trans parent or having a gay parent perfectly or said. anything like that. Yeah. That, yeah, they're just like perfectly kids. said. They're yeah. just like, you're the governor, what? You know? <laughs> right, or they're just right. like, I'm just trying to watch Secret Life <laughs> right. of Pets, you know? <laughs> I love
1: when you're governor. Dad, when did you when did you, when did you get donated the governor? That's amazing. I love that. I think that was like so great. But you know, I think I love the idea of people saying, okay, talking to your kids and going, Oh, so you know someone's gay? Like, well, how do you feel about that? So they're getting a gauge on how a child might feel about that before they come out to know where they stand, and and you know, so they know maybe how to approach it. And the other thing is, like, I think what Chloe and Brian did, like, brilliantly, was like give these kids an opportunity to ask questions, mm. like, really give them a space to ask questions. I think that's when you can run into issues if you're like, come out, like, do it, and then let them ask questions. Mm-hmm. They're going to be confused. They may not understand. They may need to be walked through it a little bit. I think if you if you give it that level of attention there, you're not going to be like dealing with, like oh, my God, like I should. Like I, I tried to run from it and now it's yeah. come down the road to meet me. It's like, no, you got to deal with your business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Handle
0: it. laughs> yeah. Well, the, the other thing, too, is that this made me think about how a lot of times parents are supposed to have all the answers and parents are supposed to be like superheroes in their own right. And that parents are also going through their own. Their own stuff and their own struggles yes. and their own identity and trying to figure it out themselves. And right. so I also just feel like this story really unpacked how these two people were like also having to grapple with their own identities on top of raising little kids, right. which just seems like, you know, there's a lot there.
1: There, there is. And, you know, when you think about it, like coming out to family and friends and like as an adult is one thing, right? Because, I mean, obviously with your family, it's a little different, but like, let's say a friend, like if you lose a friend, that's not great, but you, you're going to survive, right? But when you're talking about a child that you're tied to, right, that you have to have a relationship with, it's, that is a scary thing. Like I could see, Brian was very nervous about mm-hmm. coming out to his kids because he's like, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. You know, how are they, they going to take it? Are they going to still see me as their dad? Mm-hmm. You know, and with Chloe, is, is Brian going to see me as his mom? As a mom to him. And it's just like, it's a different level of anxiety that is attached to it.
0: One of the other things this story brought up for me is it feels like the experiences that both of these parents had, so much has changed over time. One of my dearest aunts is a lesbian and she came out, I think, in the 80s. And at the time it was so, she risked it all. I mean, and it cost her so much because... It was the 1980s because she was like a working class South Philly person and it just didn't happen in South Philly, you know, and and she's someone who I admire so much because I also really think that she paved the way as being like the first out gay person in my family. And really, I've just heard so many stories of the terrible things she had to endure and the difficulties of that time. And, of course, all of these these difficulties still, I think, persist across the community and depending, you know, where you fit in as an LGBTQ person. So I don't want to minimize that. But I also feel like, to a certain extent, Brian and Chloe's experiences feel of the past decade or two, just because of some of the social progress that we have had in terms of pointing to the gay governor of another state or even being embraced by your college program, you know, after you come out as trans. And so I also think probably I would imagine just the experience of being a parent and coming out to your kids must be a lot more helpful. Or I mean, I feel like I'm hesitant to use the word easy because I feel like it's never easy. Mm -hmm. But just to know that your kid is maybe in a peer group where these issues are more acceptable. It is more acceptable to be queer or trans yes. because I feel like, you know, hopefully it'll get, continue to be less burdensome, I think, to, to be an older person coming out to their family.
1: Yeah. I mean, I actually have a friend who I feel like is queer and, you know, has kids and, I feel like his kids are so bored by his <laughs> <laughs> They're literally like phones like oh dad your career whatever so so like it's so boring. <laughs> like they yeah, just yeah. don't care. And it's like they could care less. <laughs> yeah. And they're like also don't burden me with this cuz it's like why are we talking about this? Right, right. It's like literally like we're like they don't even want to hear about it cuz they're like why is this an issue? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And that and that is progress. That yeah, is, I mean, as yeah. rude as it is, it's progress. They're just like, <laughs> they don't care. They're just like, I'm over it. I don't want to hear about your career. It's like, who cares? But it's also because we have a lot more visibility.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? So it's like... We're, we're talking about we're seeing trans people on tv and in media which is wonderful obviously more gay people like it's just like it, it's visibility is plays its role in this really sort of like mm. in these mysterious ways sometimes that we know it's important but then we see it then when we see something like that we don't even realize it's tied to that yeah it's tied yeah. to like the fact that there's more of us that people see yeah <laughs> so- i mean I- I also liked just how, in general, these two stories
0: used pop culture as that jumping off point to have The conversation, I mean, not in the same way because it wasn't like, I mean, with the Governor McGreevy instance, it was like, here is a gay person in the media. Let me use this as the jumping off point. Then also like, Secret Life of Pets. How cute. (laughs) Just to be like, I'm going to use these two characters. (laughs) Yeah, that like this kid relates to. So I I think I I totally see how pop culture and visibility can be like a jumping off point for people to have that frame of reference. I do have a remember, and and I'd be curious to hear your experience, like I went to school with some kids who had out gay parents and whose parents it was known widely in school that their parents were in same sex couples and they were really bullied, like for oh, wow. their own parents' sexual orientation. Wow. Yeah. And so I guess I was heartened to hear in these stories that maybe that wasn't as much of a challenge for, in, for these particular families, mm-hmm. although I can easily imagine that it's still
1: a big problem. Yeah. We, like, we're talking about how hard it is for the parents coming to these kids and not even thinking about the fact that you're right. Like, sometimes kids are given a hard time for that, you know, for their parents. And mm-hmm. that's, that's something that I I didn't even connect with that as we were hearing these stories. I wasn't even thinking about that.
0: I mean, I guess it depends also, like, where you are. And now there's all this research about how Gen Z is, like, the queerest generation yeah. ever. So, you know we, know, we know the kids are doing good. <laughs> the kids are doing great, actually. Yeah. The kids are doing great. <laughs>
1: there's gonna be so little use for like how to come out to your kids because they're like oh, we're all queer right. like
3: they
0: really they're like anymore. leave me alone they, like they literally like yeah, leave me alone and yeah. also
1: like if you talk about your queerness one more time because it's so disinterested yeah <laughs> I'm so disinterested by it like stop it that's stop it you know what i thought was also adorable in chloe's story i love how chloe was like okay i'm gonna give ryan the option of like choosing my name even though chloe was like i'm chloe right I, i'm chloe i was like of course he chooses the other name. <laughs> he goes, Gidget and Chloe. <laughs> and he's like, You're gonna be Gidget. And she's like, Oh god, Brian, I don't think Gidget's a great name for me. How about Chloe? Okay, you be Chloe. <laughs> okay, yeah, fine. Yeah. I thought that was really cute. And again, just using something that that was interesting to him to make the point of like, I am, mm-hmm. I am Chloe. And like, you helped me. You helped me find that. And that was I thought it was so beautiful how she brought him into the process. That was yeah, really beautiful. Yeah, that is
0: such a good point. I, really good. I, I love that. And I also feel like, you know, we never get to hear like these stories in a way I feel like could be a playbook for other parents who are trying to navigate these situations. Because it's true. It's like... I don't know. Maybe this is the first story or among the few stories I've heard of parents who really like were able to integrate their kids into their coming out process in like a really proactive yeah. way. Yeah. And yeah. and there's something amazing about that cuz I feel like most of the stories you hear or at least growing up like the stories you would hear or see especially in like TV and movies would be like if people came out in their families that like ruined their families, period, yeah. the end. And like, that was it. And and so I don't know. So maybe it's like, you know, expand people's horizons if they were trying to figure out how they should come out to their families or mm-hmm. something. Like mm-hmm. they have these these examples to look to.
1: The I'm from Driftwood podcast is hosted by Phil, a.k.a. Corinne and Alex Berg
0: and is produced by Andy Egan Thorpe. It's recorded as a program of I'm From Driftwood, the LGBTQAI plus story archive.
1: Its mission is to send a life-saving message to queer and trans people everywhere. You are not alone.
0: I'm From Driftwood's founder and executive director is Nathan Manske. Its program director is Damian Middlefeld.
1: Our score is provided by Elevate Audio.
0: The stories you heard today are available in their entirety, plus thousands more at imfromdriftwood.org.
1: You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.
0: Or subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This program is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs
0: in partnership with the City Council.
1: Additional funding is provided by the Humanities New York Sharp Grant with support from the National Endowment for the Humanities and the Federal American Rescue Plan Act.
0: Thanks for listening, y'all.